Welcome to The Sandbox with Justin Peters, connecting you to the ideas and tools to improve your life. Now let's go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome into The Sandbox. I'm your host, Justin Peters. And for my new listeners out there, this podcast is all about giving you the inspiration and instruction to jumpstart your life. And we do that by inviting guests on that have the skills and strategies that I believe can help you with just that. And today's guest is no different. I met today's guest roughly four years ago. And right away, I was so impressed with his communication skills, the way he carried himself and the confidence that he had. Over the last four years, it's been such a privilege to get to know him a little bit more. At that time, he was the co-founder of a web development company, and I've got to see him transition into a career in real estate. He's been the president of a Toastmasters club and a speech and debate coach for a high school. With all of this, he's clearly developed a lot of communication skills, and that is my hope for this conversation, that you realize the power of words. I think effective communication is a transferable skill in all facets of your life, And my guest today has a ton of insight on how you can take control of that. I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Jeff King. Jeff, my man, welcome into the sandbox. How you doing? Great, Justin. Good to see you, man. I brought you on because, dude, I've always admired you. You and I met like four years ago. And I, the first time I met you, I remember going home that night and being like, dude, that's a guy that I want to get to know a little bit more. Uh, I just liked your energy. We actually met at a Toastmasters meeting. Uh, you were president at the time of that Toastmasters club. I was just visiting as a guest, checking it out. And I was super impressed with you. And you're the one that actually really got me a little bit more engaged in public speaking and Toastmasters in general. Um, so I thought maybe that would be a good starting spot for our conversation. What is Toastmasters, and why did you originally join Toastmasters? Absolutely, yeah. I think that's definitely a great place for us to start. So kind of how you wandered into that meeting, that fateful night, it's really, Toastmasters is all about communication and leadership, and it's how do you build your skills in both of those aspects, because it's a skill set when you think about public speaking or just effective communication in general. Not many people have much intention to really practice it. It's not something that you get up every day and like, I'm going to go practice public speaking. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what really attracted me to Toastmasters in the first place, because not only was public speaking something that I had really done for a number of years um, without really intentionally trying to improve or get better at it, but what I found with Toastmasters, it was a place that you can get feedback from other people. Mm. And so that was almost more important was the evaluations that we were able to give uh, to one another. And as you saw that too, as you participated throughout the meeting, tips and tricks that we could share with everyone because it was this place where everyone wanted to be better. It Mm. wasn't a place where, oh, we think we're awesome at public speaking. We're awesome leaders already. It's how do we get better every single day, every single week? And one of those weekly meetings is where you and I had first met. And I know one of the, the parts within the meeting itself, table topics, which is your impromptu speaking, you get up and you're you get posed a question, you have to stand up for a minute and try to talk for two minutes. It's, uh, it was cool to see you stand up, kind of grab the bull by the horns, really grab the question and take off with it. So you weren't intimidated <laughs> by it at all. And I knew you definitely stood out. And I think that's where we started to click because you and I both have very similar mindsets on a lot of different topics. But that first night of just being able to see 
um, really kind of in a space where, you know, neither you or I really knew each other, but we could get up in a space in front of other people and just talk. And when I saw that you wanted to invite me on the podcast, I was like, absolutely. Like, this is an awesome <laughs> opportunity. And I think both of you, both you and I were a little fearful at first, too, because most of our phone call conversations end up, you know, oh, we'll talk for five minutes, maybe we end up talking <laughs> for 50. So it's, it's one of those things that will go on and on and on. But Toastmasters is an awesome organization. It's really something that's cool about um, it, it's relevant to everyone. And yeah. that's the cool thing about it is you meet so many different peoples from so many different backgrounds um, that have so many different stories to share. And we're all there for different purposes. And really kind of for me, one of the reasons that I had gone to Toastmasters in the first place was uh, to improve on the evaluations and giving feedback mm -hmm. to other people. Because in my profession, while also um, in real estate, I was coaching high school speech and debate at the time as well, too. So I had a lot of students that I needed to help improve and, and give them tips and tricks because when I was in high school, I was a competitor in high school. I was a competitor at college, in, at Webster, actually. And um, I was a situation where the competing side of it is much different than the coaching side of it, much mm -hmm. like anything. It's, it's you take the same skills and, and the skill sets, but the evaluation part was different. And so now it's cool to use those skills, um, especially to help develop leaders within our real estate organization, on our team, um, help, with, help with the youth, honestly, too, because I'm still coaching high school speech and debate. And, um, and myself, you know, you never stop wanting to improve your public speaking skills, your leadership skills, um, your communication skills. And honestly, especially in this day and age now with so many conversations switching to just what we're doing right here, right now, yeah. talking, you know, live over video, there's, there's an endless amount of opportunity out there. Um, but you have to be confident, number one, in your delivery, and number two, in your point that you're trying to get across. So I think those skill sets are invaluable no matter where you're at at any point in time in your life, but more critically, especially right now. Mm, yeah, there you said a whole lot there that I really want to start to unpack now. And uh, you're going to have to keep me true to the time as well. I, like I said, we're, I'm like, man, I got to make sure I watch the clock with you and I because we'll sit here and like three hours later, we'll be like, holy cow, uh, <laughs> what are we going to do here? Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I actually remember, uh, I, I, I hardly remember any of the table topic questions I've ever had in the past, except for that very first one that night I had. I, I remember the question was, give us a reason why you would in, you would paint the entire interior of your home black. And I was just like, mm, okay. Uh, but it was so fun. I, I, I really enjoyed that. And I'm, I'm glad that we connected and we've stayed really close since then. Uh, I think I remember it, your answer too, wasn't it? If you drop something white, you'd be able to see yeah. it on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Later. <laughs> that was like the only thing I could think of pretty quickly in that time. I was like, I I would hate to live in an entirely black uh, home. But that was like the only thing I was like, you know, that would be convenient if in, in case I dropped anything that wasn't black. Was but <laughs> but uh, but but let's start with um, the importance of feedback and around skill skill acquisition and developing skills, you know, public speaking, especially I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard it, you know, countless times that more people are afraid of public speaking than they are of death. Um, so, so many people avoid it, yet alone do it and then go and seek feedback from it. So, how did you become comfortable um, seeking out feedback around public speaking and maybe generally uh, around any skill that you might not have mastered yet? 100%. Yep, that's a great question. You're exactly right. So studies show that people are actually more afraid 
of public speaking than they are than death, which means if you take that analogy, people would be rather be in the casket than the person giving that eulogy, speaking yeah. in front of others, which is a crazy thought. And so I think that the, the number one most in thing is I, I, I wasn't born this way, right? Like I wasn't born like, oh, I love public speaking. I'm going to help people develop public speaking skills or develop into better leaders. But it's something that you take day by day and incrementally over time. So like when I first started, I was a freshman in high school. And so fast forward a decade later now, and every single conversation that I've had and every single coaching opportunity that I've had, I started to pick up just a little bit more as far as something that may help me uh, become a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident. And then what I can do is teach out all of those skill sets that I've learned to other people. And that's mm. the fastest way that you're going to be able to learn is find somebody that you can aspire to take bits and pieces from. You know, you don't have to be that exact same person, but taking different pieces from different speakers, for example, was something that I always enjoyed because I would listen to tons and tons of YouTube content. Uh, videos on motivation, so different speakers and different authors and listen to different audiobooks and things of that nature um, that would really help because I knew that a lot of these stories, even though in book format in the audiobook case, were also being talked about on TEDx or on different types of talks across the internet or different you know montage or compilation videos of uh, speakers and putting those different types of quotes together. And I was like, okay, how do I listen to these stories and start to pick up different bits and pieces of them? And the listening is great. But until you take the step to actively do it, mm. you yourself will not get any better at it. And see, so that's where, you know, in high school, for example, speech and debate was about two different teams arguing against one another in order to convince a judge who was right or who was wrong. But you fast forward into college, it's not about who's right. It's not about necessarily who's wrong. You fast forward, like I said, a decade later now into where I'm at, which is in real estate, and it's not always about negotiating who's right or who's wrong. It's how do we communicate effectively to bring a deal together so that everybody wins. Mm. And so now there's all kinds of different pieces of the puzzle that you're starting to, to grow. And that's the neat thing to see is that no matter what industry I ever went into, whether it was um, like web development and sales, or if it was in real estate and sales, or if it was just a Toastmasters and public speaking or coaching on a communications or helping train other leaders within our organization, those skills are applicable no matter where a person is in their journey and no matter where they are going in mm -hmm. their journey as well too. Mm -hmm. And that's why for me, it's, it's always that concept of like being a lifelong learner. You hear about that a lot. Um, John Maxwell and his effective communication skill sets, even just like the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, like all of those things still come into play and you can get those points across and be a better leader, the stronger your communication skills are. And so that's why all of it, man, is tied together. And if you're not practicing it, find a place to practice it. Yep. And if it could be as simple, like if you're in sales like I am, it could be as simple as practicing your scripts on a daily basis. So that's one thing that we do. We take 30 minutes every single day as a team and we practice our skill sets. And so we, we practice scripts and especially with new members, it's repetition. And sometimes, you know, they come in and they say, oh, well, that script doesn't sound like me. Well, you're not supposed to be a robot and just read the script, right? Like there's a lot more that has to go into that, whether that's your your voice or your inflection or your intensity or your energy. Like I spend most of my day standing up talking on the phone because it gives me energy being up mm -hmm. like that. And that's just what your each individual person has to find their own style in a sense. And if you haven't been able to develop that style, you have to go practice it. And so find some place to practice. If you can't find a place, find a person to practice with um, and, and improve.
it doesn't matter what it is if it's a if it's a sales based industry if it's a customer service based if it's literally anything in between your skill set of communication is going to be something that will pay dividends for the rest of your life and no one can ever take it away from you mm, yeah and i so buy into the notion of uh, investing into especially communication skills you know not necessarily yeah. just public speaking but effective communication in general because as you mentioned, it is a great transferable skill. You went from leading your own web development company to moving into real estate, yet you made what seemed like kind of a seamless transition in that. Would uh, outside of you know the communication piece to it, do you feel like you brought other skills from that career into your new career? I would definitely 100% agree that it that the transition was seamless because of the skill set. Right. Like it doesn't matter if we're selling websites, which are digital, right? Like I can't physically give you a website in your hand, real estate, completely physical. Hey, here's your house. You can see that. But if you're selling books or if you're selling um, digital courses, if you're selling something that you've created or a product that you've manufactured, that sales pipeline is really going to be similar or the same. And what I think the biggest skill set is, is that, that transferred anyway, was the lead generation aspect of it. And lead generation mm -hmm. can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but anyone that's either entrepreneurial at heart or has a business or is in business understands that lead generation is essentially going to be the lifeblood of that business. Because without it, no matter what you're selling, if you don't have people to sell it to, you're not gonna make any money. Mm -hmm. And so without those leads and being able to generate leads and nurture them through a process or a sales cycle where you know, in real estate, we could have a sales cycle where we talk to somebody today, they might not be ready for three months, they might not be ready for six months. I mean, there have been people that we've talked to and followed up with for over a year going on two years. And they we do the same thing every week or every every quarter. Um, and it's follow up with conversations with them. And without the confidence of having something to talk about, number one, but also to provide value, number two, that's a skill set that will across any industry, no matter where you go. And I think that creating value through conversation is mm. something that will, again, that pays dividends, right? Like mm. no one can ever take that away from you because if you're creating value and you're getting your point across and that value with whatever it is that you might be selling or eventually sell at some point in time, if you can get that value across, you're going to stand out from a very crowded landscape uh, of of your competition, no matter what industry that is, and that was a skill set that I learned. That no matter where I would go, like even if I left real estate and went somewhere else, if you can create value through the conversations of what you offer and your services, you'll be just fine. Mm. And you do some hiring, or you at least look for talent in your current role, correct? Yes, absolutely. So we're, we're all essentially always looking for talent, being that we're in real estate. So I'm a team lead on our team. So the new recruits that come in, I have a team underneath me that I help teach and train. And a lot of them have, you know, they're brand new to the industry, or maybe they've um, tried real estate on their own, and then decided that the team was a better fit for them. Um, but it is, it's awesome, because it's a coaching and teaching role. It's mm. not like a, you know, I'm above you and you're here role. It's a let's go, let's get everybody up to the yeah. next level so that I can teach you how to recruit and run your own team next. And that's the cool thing that, that I really love about it is that all of those skills now are transferable. And so the more people that I can help teach and coach and train and help them become more successful, that in turn comes full circle because we're able to attract 
even more talent to help help us grow as individuals, but also as leaders, and then ultimately as a team and as as a business. Mm. So uh, you you talked about this value through communication. How do you spot that in individuals that you might you know it, that seems like the skill set or the attribute that I would be looking for because you can teach people the hard skills of real estate like yourself you kind of did a crash course and got up to speed as quickly as you could but you know that value through communication is probably a little bit tougher to teach so how do you how do you look for that in an individual absolutely it's very easy is that person coachable mm. because if they're coachable we can teach them anything if they're not and they come in with the mindset of i already know everything and i'm not necessarily going to practice or get better then that's a tough, tough person to work with, just period, across the board. So me, for example, I got into real estate. Okay, it took me a year to get my real estate license because I paid for the license exam. It expired. I didn't do it. Of course, I picked the online option and didn't go in person. So a year passed and it expired. Didn't get my license. So I got this renewal letter that basically said, okay, you can renew it for a month or you can renew it for a year. And I said, there is no chance I'm going to do this again for a year if I try to renew it. I said, okay, I'm going to give myself a month. If I don't do it in this month, I'm not getting into real estate. So I took the exam. I passed it the first time, thank goodness. And then I got into real estate. And now, like that, getting into real estate, the license exam is what gets you in. And I thought it was the absolute worst thing in the entire world because all it did was teach me about the laws and like all these different specifics of things that – Truthfully, like the law and the license, if you ever really need to learn something about it, you're going to go look it up. Like you don't have to mm -hmm. memorize it. And yeah. so I was like, man, if this is what real estate is going to be all about, I'm going to absolutely hate it. And the best thing that I ever heard was that you need to get your license so that you can be taught like how to build a real estate business because that's not what the license is going to teach you. Uh -huh. And so then I took the next step into actually real estate, where it was about building a business. It was about communicating with people. It was about lead generation. It was about building a sales pipeline and a funnel, very similar to um, the web development company that I had started out of college as well, too, with my business partner, Zach. Like those skill sets in and of itself were able to be transferred. The cool thing was, is we were doing lead generation for a real estate group that kind of decided to go their separate ways. And I thought, okay, well, this is a perfect opportunity for me to get into real estate and continue doing exactly what, in a way, we had already started, except on a deeper level, because I would be able to service those leads. I would be able to sell to them. I would be able to communicate and add value. And mm -hmm. so for me, that's kind of the, the approach that I took to make that a seamless transition, because I knew that sales and sales cycles, like just sales in and of themselves, if you're looking for something to study or if you're looking for something to improve on, read sales books, read or watch sales videos, like different communication styles and different types of sales are going to be very apparent, whether you're selling a product or you're selling a service, whether you have, you know, a month long time frame that somebody typically purchases, or if it's a, in this case, like with real estate, could be a three months, six months, uh, 12 months plus sales cycle. That's something that you're going to learn in the industry. But at the end of the day, it's all the same. It is all the absolute same. If you can talk to people, you can add value in conversations. And with the team aspect, if I can teach enough people to continue to have those conversations that I've had, I, I will be okay. Everything will work out because we're having enough conversations. And at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. Everything is always a numbers game. The more people that you talk to, the more conversations that you're going to have, the more conversations that you have, 
the more sales that's eventually going to lead to. Now, you obviously got to go on appointments and get those appointments, but the same concept applies, man. The more people you talk to, better off you're going to be and easier it is to find business. I definitely agree that, you know, sales is king. I was listening to this podcast a few days ago and the guy was talking about, uh, you know, he, he asked a question, something around, you know, prepping for COVID and if you're out of a job, what, you know, where should you look to? And, and he mentioned sales and he brought up this analogy and he, he asked the question, you know, who's the most important person in a, in a dentist office? And, you know, naturally the interviewer was like, the dentist. And he's like, no the person that brings in the clients to the dentist office, because without him or her, there is no dentist. Uh, and then he went on to say, you know, after all this is said and done, if that if that office fell down, it doesn't matter, you know, the uh, person that cleans your teeth or preps your teeth to start with, the receptionist, the person that preps the tools and everything, they would all leave and there would be two people left in the office. There'd be the person that brings in the sales and there'd be the dentist. <laughs> and that would be it. Uh, so I that really resonated with me and realized like how important of a skill set that was. Um, and in my my last career, I intentionally sought out a sales position because I realized how important it was. And there's a lot of parallels with sales and public speaking as well. I think there's this misconception. Um, there's such a scary skill and there there's fear-based skills around uh, things like learning guitar where it just takes a lot of practice and repetition. And then there's other things people are afraid of, like public speaking or sales, where I just think there's a misconception. And once you get a few reps and some, and obviously there's some tactics and techniques behind it, but once you build a little bit of confidence around it, the world changes. So I, you know, everybody says, you know, you should take a job as a waiter to learn customer service. I believe everybody should take a job in sales as well to build that skill set because, you know, as we continue to progress uh, and, you know, industries turn over every 10 years or so, right. you know, the things that are going to continue to stay are are jobs based around effective communication, especially sales. Sales especially. I agree with that. I would say if there was a number one background, kind of to your point, like what do we look for? Number one is are you coachable, which means if you don't have a background in sales, it's 100% okay. If you do have a background in sales and you understand kind of what that thought process is, that this is a numbers game. It's about conversations. It's not, you know, I'm going to spend 20 minutes lead generating today and my business is going to be booming. It's no, I'm going to hit the phones every single day consistently and I'm going to have conversations for an hour or two hours or however long it takes. That's the mindset and the, the ability to be coachable because you have the opportunity then to scale your business infinitely. Mm. And so to that point, somebody that's coachable is key number one. If you have a background in sales, that's awesome. But someone also too that we look for is like somebody that's consistent. So are you committed to whatever it is that you're doing? It doesn't matter if it's business. It doesn't matter if it's sales related. Um, it, it could be something personal. It could be exercise. It could be health. It could be whatever. But are you committed? Mm. Because if the answer is, oh, I'm going to try this for three months and see if it works, it's not going to work. I'll tell you that right now. If you're going to work on it for six months, probably also still not exactly going to work. You'll start to get some good traction, but you're not going to be where you want to be. But if you're looking at it as a lifelong career, something that you're going to invest in yourself, you're going to invest in your skill set, you're going to invest in your business, those are things that no one would be able to take away from you. And so that mindset and that thinking is is not very common, is what I found, is that it mm -hmm. really is, is not very common. Um, so someone that comes in kind of with that mindset or is open to at least building and developing along that path is exactly a good fit. 
because we don't have to convince them like, hey, you need to do this for longer than three months. It's not a get rich quick. It's not like the HGTV shows, you know, yeah. like that's what people <laughs> say. Oh, I love real estate. I'm going to be that. And uh, <laughs> that's that's very uh, not reality. <laughs> that's the easy way to put it. <laughs> yeah, man, hitting the phones every day, doing a lot of this lead generation. It is tough because you hear no a whole lot more than you hear yes. So yeah. what do you do to help some of your team members get over a lot of that negativity that's got to hit them through the process? Absolutely. Yep. A lot of it is mindset. So we do a lot of coaching, a lot of teaching and a lot of training on mindset. And so we don't focus on the negatives because, yes, we know that the negatives are going to happen, but we focus on the positives and we focus on the results. The result is if you make a phone call, do you like getting paid? Yeah, I do. Awesome. <laughs> make more phone calls. Right. So it's like as simple as that could be. And, and depending on kind of the, the mindset of a person, obviously, it doesn't work with everyone because um, sometimes those those no's do hit a little bit harder than most. Mm -hmm. uh, like for me, for example, you hit me with a no. I'm going to ask you another question until you hang up. Right. So with some other people, you, you get hit with a no, like your day is ruined. Uh -huh. right? It's ruined. It's over. But that's because a lot of it comes with the repetition, the consistency and the mindset. And so what we do when we help is we actually do role plays. And a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing that at first. And it's because they've never done it before. So you have to step outside of that comfort zone in order to be able to become someone that you weren't previously before you got started, before you started practicing. And it's a lot of times what people say with the scripts too, is like, oh, that doesn't sound like me. Well, it's not supposed to sound like you. It's supposed to sound like someone that has already sold hundreds of houses throughout <laughs> their career, right? Like that's who you're aspiring to try to be. And so once you kind of break through of that mindset and you start to add your own spin on it, you're able to have as casual of a conversation as you as I are, are having right now, I think it's a million times easier, right? Like you have a script book that, that you can literally pull from that handles all these different objections. Um, but at the end of the day, like once you internalize them and you're having the conversations on a level where you were talking to your friends and family, like that's the game changer. And that doesn't yeah. happen over time either. Like that can take months, that could take three months, six months, 12 months, that could take years. That could be, some people never even reach that point because they don't make enough calls. And so that's where it, it comes down to the consistency of you are building and investing in your skill set yourself and you're applying it to a specific scenario. And, and I try to leave it as general as I can with that, because it, no matter what it is, no matter if this is professional, no matter if it's educational, whatever, all of those skill sets, if you practice them, you will eventually get better at them. And that's the key is that you don't ever give up because as soon as you quit, it's over. But as yeah. long as you don't quit, no matter how bad you are. Like no matter how terrible you sound on the phones, as long as you get back on the phones the next day, you're going to be better. Mm. And so that's the key is always keep going through it. Always keep through. You ever seen that picture of that guy that's like um, he's digging a hole in like a tunnel and he's like walking down it on the top and there's some like diamonds here and then he stops and he turns yep. away and the next dude just keeps walking off and then he's right there one chip away and he hits the diamonds. Like don't be that guy. Yeah. Like that, be that guy. Because that's where the breakthrough happens. You have to struggle through whatever it is that you're going through enough for that breakthrough to happen. And, and nobody knows when it's going to be. And it's going to happen sooner for some people than it is for others. But never quit, no matter what it is. No matter how much, you know, bad juju that you feel like you have doing something or like, oh, the world is against me. Like, don't quit, no matter what. No matter how much feedback that you get that says, you know, oh, you're never going to do this or be good at it. Don't listen to them. Just keep going. Yeah, and that's, uh, dude, that's so painful and sad to see sometimes, especially from an outside perspective, when you know somebody may be on the cusp or just is capable of doing it, but realizing that 
their timeline and the actual timeline do not line up right, that it's sad and and it's really hard to you, you can't want it for somebody else. And that's the hardest thing for me whenever I'm coaching, uh, whenever I'm I'm helping or motivating anybody in a scenario. I I struggle with sometimes wanting it more than somebody else does. Um so I, I mean, maybe going back to your your speech and debate uh, coaching career as well. Um, so how long have you been uh, teaching coaching speech and debates? You, you've always yeah. taught a high school a high school club. Yeah. So this is I've always taught high school, and this is my I like fourth year now, I believe. Oh, nice. Oh so, yeah. So what uh, do you see similar parallels to helping your team and helping the high schoolers? Are there differences? Where do you, because you mentioned the whole focusing on the pro, not on the process, but on the results. I'm assuming you got to do a lot of that inside the speech and debate as well. And, and a little bit more, you know, some therapy sessions here and there, because you still got a little bit of hormones you got to deal with. <laughs> so luckily for on that aspect of it. So there's, um, there's one main head coach and she's also a teacher at the school. So mm -hmm. she gets to deal with a lot of the therapy <laughs> sessions. Thank goodness. And, and oh my goodness, she's amazing because I don't think I could do that. So where I come into play is I look at a lot of what the kids are, are doing. So in, in that aspect, it's how much effort are they putting into these things? Mm. And when I think back to how much effort I wanted to put in the speech and debate in high school, it was like, not much. Yeah. Right? Like, I didn't really want to practice. I didn't really want to like sit there and write out a case. I didn't really want to flesh out my arguments. Like, I didn't want to do all of that. I wanted to go to a tournament. I wanted to, to compete, I wanted to argue with people, and then I go home. And so I see that still. And I'm like, okay, that's why my coach hated me. No, I'm just kidding. But he, <laughs> he definitely, he definitely, I, the things that he wanted me to do when I was a student, like I want the students that are on our team now to do as well too. And so I see it from that perspective. And that's why I say being a competitor is completely different from being a coach. Uh -huh. And so I, I can see that we have to tie the result into it. And so for a lot of them, the result is, yes, well, I want to win. Okay, so what are the steps that we have to take in order to win? So do we win as individuals? Do we win as a team? Do we win even if we lose that round? Because the answer is yes to all of those things. Because if you're incrementally getting better at either the arguments that you're making, the communication that you're being able to put across, and the practice that you're going through, that skill set, I know, because I've lived it, is going to transition to them after they graduate high school. And when they go into college and after they graduate college and when they go get a job or a career or start a business or become a successful entrepreneur, that skill set sticks with them. And so that's what I try to teach them is that all of these things, it doesn't matter what the monthly topic is. It doesn't matter what tournament we're going to go to. It doesn't matter who's going to show up at that tournament. Truthfully, it really doesn't matter if they get first place or if they get last place. If they got up and they started speaking and at the beginning of that tournament, they were terrified or even at the beginning of the year, they were terrified. And now they're just now coming out of their shell and improving. That's a win because they wouldn't have done that had they not showed up. They wouldn't have done that if they didn't practice. They wouldn't have done that if they actually, you know, sat at home or never joined the team. And so that's the cool thing that I see is that even if it's, it's not this like win or lose mentality, it's, did you get up? Did you practice? Did you, did you show up? And did you put in effort? And if mm -hmm. you did, that's what we can ask for.
And that's what we can work with. And that's how we can help improve. And that's how we can give feedback and evaluation. See, all this stuff comes full circle. It does. <laughs> no matter what, it, if it's Toastmasters, if it's business, if it's me, or if it's somebody else, if it's kids, like all of it comes back to how do you give feedback to other people so that they can improve? And even if this doesn't pay off right here, right now, today, I guarantee you they'll look back five years from now, just like I have looking back 10 years from now and say, had I not stepped foot and gone out of my comfort zone and started speaking in front of people, my life would be drastically different than it is right now today. Mm, that's cool. I can't imagine how rewarding uh, coaching is in that scenario. And, uh, you know, also being a team lead in the situation that you're in because you get to see people improve. That's amazing. Um, what are some things people can think about whenever they're trying to deliver feedback to their team? Uh, in a business setting, or if they also coach in a sports setting or something similar to speech and debate, or, or even maybe their kids or anyone that they're trying to, to give evalu you know, evaluations back to or feedback to, what are some things that you've learned over the years on how to give effective feedback? Absolutely. Number one, your feedback is never wrong. The reason is because it's your feedback. Like it is yours. It is never wrong because it is your opinion. So you can't get up there and say, oh, well, you know, you were such a good speaker and I really don't have any feedback for you because I'm new at this. You listened. So you have feedback to give. Mm. And so that's the number one thing is that no matter what it is, no matter where it is, no matter if it's in a, a business room setting where you're the new intern or if you're the top dog leading the 20, 50, 100 person team, like you better be ready, willing, and able to receive feedback as well as give feedback. Because no matter who you are, different perspectives from different people will be so valuable because mm. it might be something that you're hearing for the first time. And it just takes that one first time in order for you to level up. And you think of it, you can think of it as like taking a step, like a bunch of steps. Are you taking one step up from where you were, you know, right before you previously delivered whatever that speech was? Same thing with evaluation. Is this the first time that I'm giving evaluation and feedback? And if it is, one of the easiest ways after you get over the, like your evaluation, your feedback is never wrong because it's yours and yours alone and your opinion. The, the cool thing that we try to teach out to folks that are doing this for the first time is to use kind of what's called a, a sandwich method where you start with something that they did positively. You've got something in there that you can really take this to the next level or improve upon. And then you wrap it up with something else that you did nice. Or you can even wrap it up with a challenge. Like I, I want to challenge you to do this differently next time. And so those different, those three steps make it so that you can build an effective evaluation no matter what you're applying it to. Yeah. And I'm, I'm reading a great book right now. I don't know. Have you read Radical Candor? I have not. Uh, Kim, her name's escaping me, but I'll, I'll put it in the description below. It's a great book, great read, really changing my perspective around uh, feedback. And you were even mentioning it a little bit there. It's not just the superior delivering feedback to the employee right. or the subordinate. Uh, if you are the intern in the boardroom meeting, I think sometimes the most admirable, I, I you know ran a summer internship program for five years. And one of the most admirable traits was when somebody, when one of those students had the confidence to deliver candid feedback to somebody that was above them. Uh, and in that scenario, almost everybody was above them. But whenever they could deliver real actionable feedback to their 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 manager at the time i was like wow you have uh, a lot of maturity and a lot of confidence and it's not uh just blurted out but like how do i want to say this uh in the right way 
with the right thoughts behind them. And, um, you know, the book talks about not using the phrase, uh, don't take this personally, because, you know, feedback is personal. Like it, it, is. it is, it is like, uh, don't, don't dismiss someone's feelings, uh, around right. that, but, but build enough of a relationship, uh, with that person so that you can deliver radical, radical feedback or radical candor, as they mention. Um, and if you have to, say it in a way that at least is getting the point across and not being uh, wishy-washy about something. Cause that, it drives me crazy whenever I'm, lo- I'm looking for feedback and I can't get some, something from somebody, especially like in a situation like now where I'm actively working on something like building a podcast uh, and I ask people that listen to it, like, you know, just give me one piece of like constructive criticism, you know, cause I'm, this is going to be episode nine for me now. I'm nine hours awesome. deep. I'm nine hours deep into interviewing. I'm not even out of the novice stage of this yet. Uh, this is ter- totally a passion project for me right now. Uh, and you know, similar to your mindset too. I'm not in- interested in getting great at something in three months. This is going to be. You know, I look at the people that I admire, like a Jordan Harbinger or whoever it may be. They've been in the game for 12, 15 years, and they were doing radio before this. They do in person. They do three shows a week. Um, I'm putting out something every other week. Um, so, so yeah, I'm like, you, you're you not going to hurt my feelings by saying, even if I'm a one on the one out of 10 scale, but how can I get to a two next time you I do it? You just got to get to a two. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Because that's, that's winning for me. <laughs> that's right. You, you've made one step. And that's an awesome point, too, is that, like, when you get people that are asking for feedback and all you say is, oh, that was great. Ugh. So what? Right? Like, what's next? You've got to be able to add more value than that. And I think that the biggest thing, this is, this is my personal opinion on why that is, it's because a lot of people take feedback as a negative. Mm. They think it's going to be negative. And so what you have to do is take that feedback process and turn it into a positive. And that's how experiencing explosive growth comes from positive feedback. Because if you're motivating with your feedback and you're challenging with your feedback and it's not just, oh, this was this or, oh, this was bad or, oh, you could improve here, right? Like, okay, that can beat some people down. Some people will take that by the horns though too and take off with it. But the, the middle ground is do a little bit of everything and continue the positive trend. And that's where, when, when we see, especially people giving new people that have never really given feedback before, they say, okay, this was good. This was good. This was good. But, and then it falls, Mm. right? Like all of that momentum and all that energy drops off. And then they start to phrase that, but as the negative, and it wasn't a negative, it was an opportunity. So if I said, you know, this, you did this area of your speech, great. You're, the way you take the speech to the next level is by doing X, Y, or Z. I want to challenge you to now do A, B, and C. You've incrementally took three steps. Most of the time, those steps should be projecting upward. And so that tone and tonality, and I think just framing of the way that we give feedback, if you can do it in a positive light, as opposed to a negative, man, like in school, we were taught never to be wrong, right? Like you got bad marks, bad grades, every time you're wrong. But once you get in the real world, man, the more you mess up, the faster you learn. Yeah, amen to that, dude. You're gonna hit hit me with a soapbox right now because uh, <laughs> I really, really do wish the education system would fix that minute yet, you know, ginormous issue. The fact that like we are not okay with being wrong, with looking right. dumb, with looking small, uh, right. and that is a really, really hard 
thing to reprogram in your brain uh, because I, I mean we all really really suffer from from that it, it you you can say you don't but but you know yeah. regardless of where you're at it sucks like I'm learning how to play guitar right now and I hadn't I, it's been probably a year since I picked up a new skill from scratch and I was just like god dang it like I hate just like not even understanding the textbook that I'm trying to read right. uh, to, yep. to teach myself but I I then I start to like reframe that in my head of like, dude, I, but I forgot how much I enjoy the learning process. Cause I was just practicing a little bit right before we got on. And I was like messing around with some strum patterns. I'm like, wow, like three weeks ago, I, it, dude, you did not want to hear me at all. Like you still don't want to hear me. Don't get me wrong. Um, but before that I was like, dude, it was like one of those, like, uh, on the movies, whenever like the kids like picks up the clarinet for the first time and like everybody's like in the house is terrible. Hey, yeah. One away. of those yep. deals, one of those <laughs> deals. So yeah, that's, that is something I'm going to remember to try to beat out of my kids as soon as I can. Um, and always encourage them to be at a starting point or a learning point with something and uh you know have have them cherish the fact of like growing and learning and failing and like you know i my very last summer running the internship program the i did something we did a friday check-in and i asked them uh what was your favorite failure from the week and that was just like a, a every single and you know the first couple of weeks it was like little th like people didn't want to speak up or and then like i would always have to say something like a big mess up for me that they thought would be like oh well i'd uh, you know, you know, anything from forgetting an important attachment to an email to a client or, you know, I addressed this client by the wrong name or I definitely said the wrong thing to this executive and now our relationships mended. And once they you start being vulnerable, they open up too, and then everybody can learn from those experiences. Yes, man. Like what you just said about having those interns share what they learned or what they would have done differently or the mistakes that we made. And it's all about culture. So you have to, number one, be in a place or a location where it's okay to still be like that because in most cases, you're right. It's like, oh, you messed this up, blah, 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 blah. That's bad. But one thing that we did as a team is we have during our mornings, we have what's called a business blitz. And so all the members on our real estate team get on the business blitz. Right now we're doing video conference calls through Zoom. And we have one day of the week where we share what did we learn? What did you learn this week? And if you didn't learn something, that's bad because that means you're not growing. Mm. And so when we started opening up the conversations to what did you learn, the conversations from the new agents and what they learned and the ways that they explained like what they went through and the, and the steps that they took helped us be able to craft and create and improve our training. Mm. Because all of the things that they said, okay, we learned this meant that they didn't necessarily learn it through training yet. So how did it get better? We just started putting piece by piece in based off of what those conversations were. And that's one thing that I've always tried to have the conversation of is what did you learn this week? And so whether it was how to negotiate through a really hard inspection or how to get, you know, a contract um, accepted when there were multiple offers on a house, like how did you make ourselves stand out? Those are all conversations that I love learning from. And it starts with if if other people aren't okay with doing it themselves, you need to be able to be the leader to be the one that at least embraces that type of culture, especially if you're in a position where you do have a team, that it's okay for your team members to share what they've learned. And if they're not sharing with you, you know, willingly, you, you need to ask and frame that. And that's kind of how we started doing it with the business blitz. It's not like 
you know, everybody just came out of the blue and said, oh, this is what I learned this week, right? Like you had to have an intelligent conversation that was crafted and framed in that way so that people were comfortable with saying, you know, I might've messed up here, but this is what I learned from it, or this is how I would have approved on it if I ever had to be faced with this situation again. And so, man, that's the, the thing is that you have to be able to build a culture around that. And if your team or your you know, organization isn't necessarily there yet, you need to try to get them on board with as much as possible because truthfully, that's how people learn. And that's yeah. how they learn much, much, much faster because instead of, you know, say you have a 10 or a 20 person team, instead of 10 people making the exact same mistake over and over and over again and never sharing that out, it just takes one person to make yeah. that mistake, quote unquote mistake. Boom. Now you've got nine other people that have already learned it. So always sure. share. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I, you know, with all the business books that I read and whatnot, it, it always, that similar theme for the great organizations are the ones that prop up that, that uncovering of mistakes and, and, you know, speed that process along and have that openness to bring that in. And, you know, it seems like the Apples, the Googles of the world, they all do that and they want to hear, you know, where are the mistakes, where are we failing, where, where are the roadblocks, and they just get that out of place. And the old school companies that, that really fall by the wayside are the ones that don't want to hear some of that feedback exactly. and want to always be propped up in that sense. Right. Um, yep. Well, we bounce around a lot in the conversation, which I imagined we were going to do here, but I'd be reluctant not to ask you about the, the 10X rule while I have you on. So Grant Cardone, a uh, well-known name in the real estate, uh, game right now wrote a book called the 10x rule um, I would love to hear I'd love for you to explain um, in the simplest terms you can what is 10x uh, and um, you know how have you taken that concept and applied it to your your current role Absolutely. Yeah. So the simplest way to explain 10x, honestly, is do 10 times of the amount of whatever it is that you're doing right now in order to try to hit your goals. You have to do 10 times that, which means that if you are trying to make $100,000 this year, you need to be framing your entire mindset to how do I make a million? If you need to talk to 10 people today, you need to frame it as how do I talk to 100? You need to be able to 10x literally everything in your life in order to hit your goals. And the way that you do that is by taking massive action. And the thought process is that instead of taking my daily, whatever that quota is or whatever I think it is that they need to do, if I do 10 times as much of it, not only are you going to hit your goal, whatever that original goal was, you're going to excel and hit that explosive growth level so that you never look back. And that, I think, to me, is the coolest thing about the 10X rule is that no one ever said work 10 times harder. And everybody's like, okay, let's work 10 times harder. So that's a mindset shift, number one, is that me as an individual, I'm going to do 10 times the amount that I need to do in order to hit my goal. And for those that you're up against, so your competition, who don't have that same mindset that they need to do 10 times the amount, what are you going to do? You're going to blow right past them. And so that's the coolest thing is that that's really unlocked a lot of potential. And for me in real estate, especially, it comes down to conversations. We know that if we're sitting here waiting for our phones to ring, that doesn't happen as much as we like. However, if we're being aggressive and we're being outbound with our sales and we're also being able to lead generate on a scale that we know that our competitors aren't and won't probably ever, that we know that we're going to be able to continue to grow. And so just last year, for example, we experienced 90 plus percent year over year growth, which is wow. insane. There was no, no other team that at, at our size that was doing that. And to us, that was a testament to the amount of effort and the amount of work that we were putting in throughout the year because it was all starting to pay off. 
And so when you think about 10X, think about, I think about things from a business perspective because I'm numbers motivated and money motivated. You don't necessarily have to be that way. You can still apply the 10X rule to whatever it is, whether it's family, career, health, whatever. To me though, it's easy to break down numbers because of my background in computer science. And so when I see, okay, on paper, if I need to have the difference between having 10 conversations versus having 100 conversations versus having 1,000 conversations, I'm incrementally using that 10x rule to say, instead of 10 conversations daily, how do you scale that? And maybe it's not necessarily 100 conversations daily, but it's hundreds, so 100, 200, 300 conversations weekly. It was more than the you know five days a week, 10 conversations, 50 call it, that you would have had if you didn't use that 10x rule. Mm-hmm. which means that it's not necessarily only about the numbers, it's about the mindset. Mm-hmm. And so if you're, if you're taking 10X action, even if you take 5X, 6X, 7X action, you're making five times, six times, seven times more than you would. And so that's what motivates me, man, is it's all about the numbers, it's about conversations. Like for example, with us, we know um, how to apply specifically this 10X rule to real estate, that I know that if I had over the course of an entire year. And this is the way that I look at it too, because you have to be invested in what you're doing. It's not about the week. It's not about the month. It's about the year. If I had, you know, 300 people or approximately 300 nurtures um, that we call them or people that we've found throughout the year that said, I want to buy or sell a house in the next 12 months. I can always work backwards from that. And I can figure out how many conversations or how many nurtures do I need on a monthly scale in order to hit that 300. So, and then you can back down to weekly too. So if there's 56 weeks and you say, okay, cool, I'm going to have six nurtures every week, I'll have over my 300. If I find six people every single week that say, Jeff, you know what? I'm not ready right now, but I want to buy or sell a house in the next 12 months. I'm going to continue to follow up with all of those people over the next 12 months. And I might have 300 people in my, my sales pipeline. And even if I close 10%, you close 30 of those deals. One out of five is 20%. Like you close one out of 10, 10%, you close 30 deals that year, depending on your average sales price, you're making over six figures. Mm. And so that's a conversation that now it's okay, I can convert 10%, how do I close 20% of those people? They talked to me once, they said they wanna do something the next year. So that's on me. And so the way that you frame numbers, and one of the ways I think that the, the 10X rule also helps motivate our team members, that if you work backwards on the value of those nurtures, those nurtures can now be worth $300 each. Because if you multiply them out over the course of a year, you're sitting at almost 100, 100K. Mm. 300 nurtures times $300. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. And, you know, the, I love the simplicity of the rule. Uh, I read the Easy. book and I was just like, dude, that, it's simple. Like, I was like, I don't know if I needed to read this whole book because, like, I got it within, like, the you first really chapter. Um, but I liked it and I really liked, you know, the phrasing that you use of just massive action. And that is so key in so many areas of your life is just, like, don't do what's standard. Don't even do what you want to put as your goal, but s- set something Set your goal and then times it by two, times it by five, times it by 10. And just do that for a week, for a month, for three months, for six months. Just see what happens. Because once you start to build um, some wins, that builds the inertia in the right way. And then you move the bar up and it's like, okay, I am used to making 40 calls a day. 
Now I make 60 calls a day. That's kind of my new low minimum standard. You just kind of keep working your way up from there. So, exactly. and, I, and it all snowballs. It uh -huh. snowballs and it compounds on itself. So everything that you are doing week over week builds and it helps you get that, that hockey stick that they call it whenever you're looking at the graphs. That's yeah. the explosive growth that you want to achieve. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, I uh, I really enjoyed the conversation today, Jeff. I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, this probably won't be the last time that you're in the sandbox if, I, if I have not. anything to say for it. Like, we didn't even touch on like half the things that I wanted to talk about. If the audience wants to reach out to you, get connected with you, maybe they're, they have some interest in real estate and uh, they might want to talk a little bit further about a career in real estate or you know, if they're in the St. Louis area as well, Jeff's always accessible if you're buying or selling at the time. Or if they just resonated with something you said, or maybe they are looking for some public speaking tips or some speech and debate tips. Uh, we touched a lot of different topics here, so I'm just branching out all over the place. Where's a good p place for people to reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So you could always send me a message or follow me on Instagram. So that's the Jeff King. So T-H-E-G-E-O-F-F-K-I-N-G. Um, reach out to Justin, him and I talk regularly. So whatever, get a hold of me somehow. So yep, yep, yep. Awesome. And I'll, uh, I'll put his Instagram handle below for anybody looking for it. Cause it, it's not Jeff G or J E F F it's right. G E O F F man. I stumbled That's through right. that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, perfect. Well, Jeff, anything else, uh, final words, um, anything else that you, you feel like you want to tell the audience before you get out of here? Yeah, you know, I mean, especially with all this stuff that's going on right now, like if you're if you're listening to it right here, right now, today, obviously, you know, this COVID-19 stuff's going on. It's changed the world. But the fact is, is that it's business as usual in an unusual way. Mm -hmm. That's that's the mindset that you mm -hmm. have to have. So no matter what your goals are, no matter what you were doing before this, like keep doing it, go do more of it, use the 10x rule, figure out a way through it. Find people to connect with. I mean, just like Justin and I are talking here, you, you find people that you relate to through conversations, through communication. And, uh, you know, networking, I think, is one thing Justin and I were going to talk about. We'll have to save that for another time, <laughs> yeah. obviously. But, you know, it is it really is. It, you have to talk to people. Everything in business and life, it, it's people based. It's relationship based and it's value based. So you need to find ways to connect with people. And, you know, it was easy to to not connect with people before this is probably even easier now with all the social distancing stuff going on, but get creative, man. Like this is the time period where I know we've had like probably a 20 minute conversation on this too, but like great businesses and great ideas are built in times like these. Mm. Like this is exactly the moment in time in history. If you were looking for a shift to do something cool, to do something new, like now is your time to go and do it and do not look back, go full speed ahead and don't let anything stop you. Don't make excuses. So we're going to hopefully hear somebody on this uh, this podcast, man, that took that advice or is still doing yes. something right here, right now, and built something awesome out of this time. Like, it's happening. There are plenty of people that are doing it. It might as well be you. Mm, yes. Thank you. Thank you for that closing, <laughs> Jeff. That was awesome. I, I really appreciate that. Well, uh, you heard him. Get out there. Go do something. Use this time to your advantage. And I will see you guys next time in the sandbox. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jeff. I believe he is just so incredible. He's been a wealth of knowledge for me over the past few years. I've learned so much from him. And I think he shared tons of tangible advice in this conversation, along with some really great inspiration. 
If you found something useful in this conversation, screenshot this episode and let us know on Instagram. You can tag us. Once again, it is at Jeff King, and that is G-E-O-F-F, and I am at Justin Lee Peters. I'd love to hear from you. That's it, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Do something for me. Get outside. Go enjoy the ease of some of this lockdown that's happening right now, and I'll see you next time in the Sandbox. 